Hello, everyone, and welcome to Delta Talks, a TMT podcast by Delta Partners. I'm Samrita, and I lead the PR function here. If you're new, welcome to our channel. We're pleased to have you. If you've heard us before, welcome back. On this episode, we have Juan from Delta Partners, Alessandro, SVP Strategy from Stars Play Arabia, and Luis, GM for Latin America from Warner Media and the HBO Max International Expansion Division. Today, we'll be covering the topic of video OTT internationalization. Over to you, Juan. Thank you, Samrita. Hi, Alessandro. Hi, Luis. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time today to, to be with us and talk about your experience. I think that uh, you both are pioneers into this uh, trend uh, of OTT internationalization and we wanted to explore with you what are some of the challenges, opportunities and risks that you see um, in, this, uh, in this space. So um, let, let me start by, by why is it so difficult? Right. Um, when we think about OTT internationalization or OTT in general, obviously now it seems that it has been for, uh, with us forever, right? But when you when we look back, it was only in 2007, so like 14 years ago, that Netflix started started its streaming service, and even when it uh, started getting millions and millions of subscribers in the U.S it did not immediately start its international uh, expansion, right? It took it in, until 2011 to start moving into, into other international markets, which I think uh, points to the difficulty of actually replicating this model in different geographies. So um, based on in this background and given your experience, why is it so difficult? Why is it so difficult to to build international plays on streaming OTT video services? And maybe let me start maybe with you, Luis, and then Alessandro, you can you can chip in, and then you know in the next questions we just uh, turn it around. Yep. All right. So well, hi Juan. Um, it's good to see you. Thanks for the invite. Um, I guess I'll, I'll start by adding a little bit of context about HBO Max um, because I think challenges depend on, on where you're coming from as a company. In the streaming world, there is pure plays. Uh, there is players that come from the media or the broadcasting space. Um, and then there is also device players like Apple and, and, and to some extent e-commerce as well from like Amazon. So in our case, we're coming uh, from many years of being a broadcaster um, in the case of uh, HBO and many years of being a studio in the case of Warner. Um, so that, that's important context in terms of how we um, approach the international expansion. And because of that context, um, our main challenge was to have the content, which is the, the, the key raw material for this business. So we had to go back to all our, uh, all our licensing deals and kind of uh, work um, around on that puzzle and, and free up some of our content so that we could actually build a, a streaming service. So that was our first challenge. And, and it's also a big driver for uh, our roadmap. Starting in LATAM um, happened because we had uh, probably the best setup when it came to licensing rights. And then uh, Europe is the second and then we'll keep going um, around the world, uh, very much driven by our ability, our availability of content on both the HBO side the Warner Media side, uh, Cartoon Networks, and so on. So getting that content was our first challenge. 
the second one is um, build a product that um, works locally. Um, it's one thing to have a service in the US. It's a very completely different thing to have a service in Latin America. Uh, I'll give you a couple of examples. Subtitles. The US didn't really have a well-developed tool for subtitles uh, or even dubbing, which is not really a key requirement in the US, but it's, it's super critical in Latin America where a lot of people are watching with subtitles uh, or dubs. So we had to kind of rebuild that whole thing, and it's been one of our pain points since we launched. Um, payments would be another good example. Around half of the Netflix space in Mexico is on prepaid. It's not on a recurrent payment on a credit card, right? So how do you start building those local payments and how you make sure you have a product that can support those local differences while at the same time you kind of keep that um, consistency across? Um, so that will be product as a second big challenge. The third one, uh, uh, in our case, again, back to our context, uh, it will be distribution. We had to review all our um, linear deals. Um, we were a pure B2B play on the on the years before um, on the HBO site, and now we're asking our distributors to do B2B2C, uh, and that requires a whole transformation of that distribution factory. So those are three good examples of challenges we had to overcome as we went from being a broadcaster or studio into being a global streaming service. Amazing, and Ale, something that you Alessandro, something that you want to to complement on that? Sure. No, look, I think what what Luis said is is right in the spot. It makes totally sense. Uh, clearly, we at Stars Play are a different animal versus Warner Media and and HBO. We were very much focused on the U.S. market, uh, mostly a content producer, uh, together with the, with the Lionsgate brand as well. So the the decision to move international was a bit more complex. Uh, and and I think that uh, eventually uh, the the outcome was 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 twofold. One that uh, uh, rather than go directly, Stars Play decided to partner with uh, local and international investors to launch uh, outside the the core U.S. market, in particular in, in in Arabia. But but also the selection of the country uh, was was uh, was uh, an outcome of of a of a, of a decision making process. Uh, while you know larger uh, media groups like would be uh, Warner Media, uh, Disney, Lionsgate, etc. They probably decided to go first uh, uh, towards big markets uh, where they can find the right volume and, and the right economics. I think that the, the idea of Starsfield was to uh, go towards uh, uh, small profitable niches, niches um, in order to uh, uh, be there before the big guys and try to carve out your, your own position. That, that was the decision why they decided to move into MENA. Uh, MENA is a market that mostly is neglected by U.S. studios. A lot of the U.S. executives they don't even know where is Dubai uh, on, the, in the, on the map. But, but it's a very interesting uh, country because there are like, uh, sorry, interesting region because there are countries that are as rich as the U.S. US in terms mm -hmm, of dispos mm -hmm. disposable income. Um, uh, um, uh, vast, the vast majority of the people are youth. So they are very well acquainted with digital services and, and OTT streaming. So it's it's a could be a perfect market. Actually, it's a great market for for this kind of product. Um, mm. So th these were the thing that that I, I were to add. Of course, uh, uh, the decision to go with a JV and and focus on the niche market was driven to uh, mitigate the financial and execution risk in moving international. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, Luis pointed to uh, many of these points. Uh, it, you know, on theory, it looks very simple. In practice, is is very difficult. 
Um, you know, in the case of Stars Play, you needed to launch in a in a in a region. You need to build a library, and by building mm -hmm. a library, you cannot just uh, uh, rely on the Stars Play Lions get content. You need to move and get some licensing deals with some of people that maybe are competitors in other region. You need to build a brand aware awareness from scratch because the reality that the Stars Play brand was not that strong in Mina, so it, it required mm -hmm. a lot of upfront uh, uh, investment. Uh, whenever you launch without a brand, etc., you know that by getting the customer will be more expensive. We we mm. lose mark performance marketing. We use online channel and distributors, but so in order to decrease these acquisition costs. But still, these are upfront costs that we need to incur. And finally, as Luis mentioned, you need to build a tech stack and a team, and that's very difficult finding the right people, especially outside mm. the, the US. And and it takes time to build the stack because it's not a stack that you can simply replicate from the US, you need to add a lot of localization, payments and all the things that Luis mentioned, which requires, uh, uh, requires again, the right resources, but also a significant amount of money. Mm. Yeah, very interesting. Actually, you know, let me go back to something that, that you said, because I, I think I, I find this, this topic fascinating. The fact that, I mean, in the past you had an industry that was very well structured, right? You had the content producers, then you had the content aggregators and distributors and the users, right? And it was very well, it was very linear, if you wish, right? Now we are seeing a model of kind of competition in all the markets, right? Like what you were saying, where uh, content uh, producers are trying to get back their licensing deals to basically uh, be able to go direct to consumer in many of these uh, of these geographies, but as Alessandro was saying as well, you cannot only rely on your own content because many times it's not broad enough. So you need to also get licensing deals from other content producers, right? So how how do you? I guess that this is a very fine line of competition between the different players, right? And how do you see this evolving? Do you do you think that at the end it will just be be an integrated value chain where the distributors become the distributors of their own content, or you always think that there will be this uh, kind of competition in different types of content to make sure that you don't only need to to you you don't need to invest so much in order to have your own library. Who wants to take this? Luis, you want to go ahead or you want to me? Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, the, thanks, Ando. Look, that, that's that's a thing. It's a, it's a $1 million question, um, I would say. Um, I think that probably um, you, you need to uh, segment this into, I mean, what is critical is asking where the different models might, might coexist. I, I think that in, uh, in, uh, in some markets, uh, uh, it might it might sense it might make sense for large media companies that have access to a very large libraries to go to go by themselves. I mean, this is for example what we see is happening in some emerging markets where you know Disney, for example, is just using their own library and building their own services, um, and 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 getting uh, extremely good results. Um, it might not be the same in other parts of the world. Think about uh, Netflix, no. So Netflix started uh, by li licensing 100% of their content. Then slowly, it moved into uh, sort of becoming a content producer or at least uh, 
um, um, you know, less, um, working with with producer to um, to to develop content in exclusivity for for Disney uh, for sorry uh, Netflix. I think as of today, I think in the U.S. Netflix only forty percent of its library is Netflix original. I think the, the majority is is from Warner, is from Disney, is from Sony, etc. So uh, even probably the largest player in the in the group uh, is not able to survive only with with uh, with this content in a very competitive and demanding market, which is the US. Uh, but perhaps in other markets, smaller markets, this might be different. Um, or for example, by by looking at Mina, for example, this is a market that uh, requires a, a very different type of content because the Mina market is segmented. You know, there is like the local. Uh, Arabic, which are not local, then you have like a diaspora from the Asian continent, you have expats from the US, expats from the U uh, uh, Europe and Australia, so it's a very uh, diverse market and it's difficult to, to have like a content portfolio which cater for both. So maybe there um, as well um, a sort of mixed strategy uh, might, might work better. But so I, I think that where is, is probably key to answer uh, this 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 question, yeah, the, there is a there is a word I mentioned for sure. But it, broadly speaking, I think the world is um, is going into a direction of consolidation, um, and the studios, particularly the big ones, taking ownership of that value chain. If we, if, I think we're going to end up with kind of that broad reality. But if you break it down, you'll see three scenarios. You'll see the case of Disney. Um, they have the scale, they know they can win, and therefore they just need that determination to do what is right. And, and not only pulling their content away from everyone else, but even getting to the point of killing a lot of their TV uh, uh, channels, which is kind of the next level. Um, uh, and it's quite funny because there's not so much cannibalization between TV and streaming, so you would think they would keep that cash cow running, but they did not. So that shows a lot of determination. And we want to be, as Warner Media, we want to be in that in that kind of game as well. Then you'll see the, the other extreme, which is, I think, as of today, you can probably talk about Sony. Um, they don't see themselves winning in that streaming space and they have decided to be more of a licensor. We actually have a deal with them in Latin America. Um, and they'll probably, I, I don't know this is, if this is a decision for the future, but at least for now, they're, they're clearly staying on the licensing uh, space. And then you've got that point in between where you try to play both games. Um, I think MPCU is a good example of um, building Peacock and try to make it successful, but at the same time, you're still selling some of your best content, um, not only your library, but some of your best content as well. So we'll see those two realities. I think if you want to win eventually and be a highly scalable player in the world of streaming, you have to be on the on the side of uh, of Disney. And that's what we're trying to do as Warner Media as well. It's, it's going to take us some time. It's going to be dependent on, on places. As you think UK, we have a deal with uh, Sky that still runs for a few years. Um, I think same thing in in uh, in Australia, but then as the content becomes available, not only because you're getting it back or because the deals are ending, you're trying to keep it to yourself, at least pay one, pay two, and in some cases even pay three. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then that also has extreme implications for the traditional distributors, right? I mean, all the free to airs and all the, even the kind of, uh, 
cable players that used to aggregate content and so on and so forth. I mean, these guys, based on uh, some of the dynamics that we are talking here, either they go into content production themselves or they are going to be left with a pro with a product with less and less quality going forward, right? So I wonder, like, uh, you know, who wins in all of this? Obviously, you know, uh, your companies are trying to win, but is there something about content, the, the independent content producers that are going to be in more and more demand as many people try to get their own uh, exclusive content, do you think? For for sure, for sure. I mean, if 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 I think about Latin America, which is where I am right now, um, for sure you're you're gonna see that that uh, fragmented space uh, uh, taking advantage of this situation. And and if you take a player like Caracol, for example, in Colombia, they have already cracked a significant deal with uh, with Netflix on the drama and telenovela side, and they're. Uh, these other players that are going and knocking on their doors and seeing what else can they, you know, what can we do together? And and they're going to benefit from that in the in the short term, because if you think about a catalog or a streaming service, well, you need theatrical. OK, we've got Warner Brothers. OK, you need adult. OK, we've got HBO. But how about kids? Well, we've got uh, Cartoon Networks. But now you start going a little bit deeper into that uh, social demographic space and you'll definitely see gaps. So you need either the, the, the you know tier one studios to sell you their content so that you address those gaps. You can produce um, local originals as well. And for that, you're going to have to go to um, the local producers. And then you're also going to have to go to the smaller studios and see what else they've got, the documentaries, telenovelas, and you're going to have to source it so that you can complete your catalog. Um, so that for sure, the winner, one of the winners in this situation, at least in the medium term, it's going to be the smaller players uh, and then you've got, I think on, a, on the other side of the catalog, you've got sports, which is probably that, um, that space that is still yet to be conquered by one player. Um, I think in Latin America, we've, we've got champions, uh, Star Plus on the Disney side, they've got a bunch of, of the rights, but there's still a lot of uh, renewals going on and we still need to see what are those rights going to go. Um, and for sure, I think those uh, entities as, as, as well are going to be the winners because sports is probably the highest, uh, the highest yield, the highest uh, dollar um, and very, very limited cost as well. So those those are winners too. Yeah, no, I, I subscribe to this. Uh, look, uh, we always say the content is king at the end. Um, and we are in a world where uh, um, everybody's consuming more and more and, and you need to keep pace with it. Um, uh, what we experienced during COVID was a jump in consumption by, I think, double. Uh, and 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 uh, after the lockdown, uh, you know the, the lockdown in the region were waived. We had a bit of a drop, but now we are back into the same consumption uh, that we experienced during lockdown with more subscriber. So uh, uh, I think that it was. Uh, I mean, it, it happened with COVID. Uh, maybe it might have happened even without it. But I think that this give a boost. I mean, I think there was a change in behavior. People are consuming much more. And not just like uh, uh, short content, the one that you consume over, you know, social network, uh, TikTok, uh, Facebook, etc. But also long form content, uh, people are consuming more and more. Um, and and uh, and I think that it might take time for uh, you know for the big studios to you know really scale by double their capacity. 
um, and, and they might actually be able to do it, but with this huge ecosystem of content, as Luis said, you might miss some of them. So that's why you want to uh, uh, look for other, you know, third party content producer or do some partnership with maybe some other competitors. Um, if you look at the mm -hmm. latest quarterly report of Stars Play, Lionsgate, Lionsgate is also a, 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 a Stars, is, is one of the, um, is, is, a, is a, has a very strong uh, content producing arm, very strong because it's producing like content very suitable for the US market in particular. And I think that last quarter was one of the best in terms of like uh, license revenues from, from, you know, reselling this content to the likes of Apple, Amazon, uh, and, and so on and so forth. Still, still, also having this content on their own platform, but also partnering with competitors to maximize the, the, the monetization of this content. Wow, no, I think actually, you know, the problem is that the more we talk, the more kind of questions come to my mind. I think that this is just a reflection that, that the space is really in a defining moment with many trends that are a bit almost conflicting to each other and where it's not very clear what is going to be the winner, right? For example, now you were talking Luis, about the fact that that you need as a streaming service, you also need content to cater for different type of audiences, right? But also if you look at how the OTT streaming services uh, are evolving, I think what we are seeing is also a more specialization or segmentation, right? You're seeing more um, players coming into the market just catering for one specific content or one specific audience, right? You have the, for example, when we talk about sports, you have the Fubos or you have the Bean Sports that are kind of only focusing on streaming sports and you kind of, or ESPN Plus and so on, that you kind of only, uh, you know, pay for that. You also have the Crunchyrolls or the Faminations just focusing on anime. And so there's also kind of this trend between kind of is more specialization, specialization to the extent that you could end up in a world where you have five streaming services, one for each category, right? You have one that covers a sport, you have one that covers whatever general, like, you know, I want huge library, I get Netflix, but then if I want, uh, you know, Disney, I get Disney Plus, and you have kind of, everybody has a, a portfolio of three or four OTT services as a consumer, right? On the other hand, how many can you have, right? How many, I mean, there will be a stabilization of number of services per user, right? So uh, I don't know, how do you see all these, these trends from a content perspective coming together? Well, yeah. look, I mean, we were talking, oh. No, go ahead, go ahead, no worries. No worries. <laughs> we, we were talking earlier about uh, Kisses' factors, and I mentioned top ingredient is content. The second top ingredient is probably cash, uh, because this business, this business consumes a lot of cash. So in that context, the economics are important, and at some point you have to be cash positive at some point, or you have to be going into that direction. Even if the North Star is still subscriber growth, you still need to build your scale so at some point you become profitable. So that's why I think conceptually speaking, that streaming business needs that scale, scale and needs that big size. So when you talk about general entertainment, it's definitely a game of scale. You want to have a 360 coverage of the social demographics in your catalog so that you can expand and grow 
to the let's say to the extreme of the full addressable market or at least in that direction when you talk about sports um the, it's probably not a sustainable business right now the, the sports world is still uh, on asteroids because of pay tv and and if if you want to move that into streaming uh, at some point you're either going to have to change the price of streaming or you're going to have to change the price of the sports licensing so we we need to see how sports world evolve as it transitions from from pay tv into streaming and then yeah you you've got some areas of opportunities for niche players but that's going to really depend on the economics of that content if you can build a telenovela play and, and telenovela is cheap enough for you to be able to sustain a business with one million subs then that can work but um, uh, you cannot build a, a, a streaming service on the back of a niche uh, segment if streamers, the bigger ones, are competing for that same content because at some point the, the cost of that content is not going to be sustainable. So I think eventually we're, we're going into a three, four, five streaming services per household where, yeah, maybe one is sports and then probably the rest are going to be general entertainment uh, because that's where, that's a th I think, uh, at least from a point of view, that's where the world is going. Yeah, but let, let me, uh, sorry, sorry, Alessandro, but let, let me uh, deep dive into one point here, because I think that what I'm hearing you say is that your opinion and, and obviously opinions change as market changes, right? But how you see the market evolving right now is that there is maybe too much fragmentation or we are in the fragmentation stage, but at some point, there will be some consolidation as the the players that cater for general audience and have a, a, a wider uh, portfolio of content basically take out of the market the very very small niches. Right? I'll give you a, I'll give you a quick answer and then I'll, I'll pass it on to Alessandro. But I think, in my view at least, and again, this is a, this is an opinion. As you said, it it may change over time. Uh, I, I think there are too many players um, because of that premise I was talking about. This is, needs to be eventually a sustainable business and this business per se needs scale. So uh, that's kind of contradicting with um, having a world with too many streaming services. I think uh, there is going to be some fragmentation for, uh, sorry, today there's a lot of fragmentation. There's going to be some consolidation. I think when you, you can split that into, into, into sites, you have this, the studio side of the world where you know we were talking about uh, the scarcity of great content that is what you actually need to 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 have acquisition and grow your base uh, so there's going to be consolidation on that space um, because some streaming players are going to be buying uh, studios so that they have the, that integration on the value chain and then when it comes to the streaming services and the distributors i do think we're going to see some fragmentation sorry consolidation because the numbers don't don't add up, and and at some point, if if you're small uh, and you're losing money uh, after five years, yeah. someone is going to say, okay, let's turn this off or let's get someone to buy it. You know, so that's that's where I think we're heading. Yeah, no, I I agree. We're just at the beginning of an expansion cycle, uh, and as any expansion cycle, uh, there is a big opportunity. We are in a period with low interest rates and a lot of cash. So there is a lot of like also resources to chase this big opportunity. So everybody is giving a, is giving a try because if they're successful and everybody believe it will be the successful one, you, you, you know, you're going to make in the future like much more money. But I, I agree. I mean, 
at a certain point, uh, the, 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 the tide will change uh, and you need to face the reality that you need also to make money with, uh, with this business. Uh, I think uh, you, Juan or Luis mentioned like three, four, uh, um, uh, let's call it surviving services. I will add it probably per region. I think that every region might have a different subset of these uh, three and four. Um, but, and maybe some region may actually cater for more. I think maybe in the US, one of the most developed markets, uh, I think you might actually even have more than that. But in smaller markets, probably will be different. But I think it also will be very, very interesting to see what are the economics among these three to four uh, players. You know, we, we've been, the three of us have spent a lot of time in the telecom space. And we know that there is a, a different economics between the top telco with the largest market share and everything and, and the fourth telco. Uh, the first is, is able to get like the right margin and all the benefits. The fourth one will barely break even and try to make a living. Um, I think that here will be even more extreme for two reasons. One, because in the telco space, uh, the, there is regulators that are trying to create competition. So because of this, they want to have the third and the fourth. There will be some mechanism to make like the third and the fourth still making a money. But in media, I don't think that there will be this sort of like, you know, regulation. So in the media, everybody, the first one will try to get everything, 100% of it. And the others will have to, to let to follow. So I think that the, the competition on the economic will be much more extreme. I think that the diff and, and what really matters in this business is churn, is your ability to retain and to be on top of mind of your customer. If you are the number one, you're going to enjoy a 2% churn rate. If you are the number three to four, your churn will be a multiplier of it, will be 10, 12, 15. And at a certain point, I'm not sure whether the map will, will make sense or not. So you know, maybe pushing to an extreme, maybe very even even a lesser amount of services will, will survive. And other, they will have to pivot into something else. Can be like more focused on content, can be a sort of hybrid. You know, there may be like some hybrid model that might work in between, but will be different. Yeah, and actually now you you talk you you point to one other aspect that I wanted to to touch upon, um, which is different or which is evolving from the past paradigm, right? Which is churn and uh, barriers to exit. Because when you, and, and, and I'm talking here now mainly uh, the US, but probably this is extra, uh, this is also applicable to many other markets, right? So we had a market structure in which you would typically access content through a distributor, right? Let's say a Comcast, and where you would, they would uh, require you to enter into at least a one to two year agreement, right? So once you started or once you signed an agreement, uh, a contract, you had to be there for a couple of years, right? And it's very difficult to get out, etc., etc. We are going to a model in which you have a monthly window to basically just get out of one area and go to another area, etc., etc. So, how, what does this tell you, or what is the way to address the inherent increase in churn that this generates? Right, because I would assume that there will be a segment that doesn't care that much about it, 
but there will be a segment that just jumps from player to player based on what is exactly the content that they want to watch one one month or basically that they say they don't even care about hbo right what they care is, is about game of thrones that they subscribe to game of thrones they watch the different series or seasons and then they go to the next show that they want to watch regardless of where it is if it's in hbo great if it's in somebody else or in disney they will just go to disney for as long as the content lasts but so that there is less it's more a um how do you call it a loyalty to a serious name rather than a studio or a player and given that there are no barriers to exit you what you see is basically people just churning and coming churning and coming and then it becomes a, a competition to get the next series that can be successful to users and invest more and more and more in content. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking kind of maybe this can become a, a vicious circle. Um, you want me to go? Yeah, please. No, no um, Juan, it's uh, spot on. Uh, retention is the, the most important thing into in, in this industry. If you were, uh, you know, just to ask a question whenever you assess a VOD player, is what will be your retention rate? What what is your churn? That's probably the most important one. And uh, as as you said, uh, what is driving retention? Most of the cases is content. Uh, if you are able, if you have like a, a a deep content library, every month you're able to to churn uh, an exclusive content uh, or something that that attract your customers and and keep your customer engaged, uh, then then you win the game. But it's expensive. Having exclusivities, having having fresh content every month, every week, it's it's expensive. It it, it so you 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 need to you need to find the the, the right balance. Um, and look, it's it's becoming also a problem for uh, companies like Netflix. So even the the top god dog in in our in our industry is 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 wants to improve their retention and and how they figure it out a way to do it is moving into other verticals. They recently announced that they want to, for example, uh, uh, move into gaming. Gaming is a way to keep customers engaged beyond the video because th there is an X amount of finite amount of hours you can spend watching content. Maybe in your spare time, you want also to play a game, no? And if you have everything the same platform, well, you're going to spend more hours. And because of this, you, you will never churn. Um, of course, gaming is, is, is a, it's, it's very complex, but, but it, it tells you a bit of the direction, no? You need to. Uh, entertain your 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 customers, and uh, there are uh, there are other ways actually to do it. Um, some of this way only started uh, being explored. Um, for example, what we have seen is uh, uh, adding verticals to the video. Maybe not gaming, but maybe uh, betting. Uh, some of the um, uh, sport-oriented VOD, they are integrating the betting function to the to the to their uh, platform. So this. You know, you, you watch your 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 the match AC Milan Juventus because you're an AC Milan supporter, but then you watch also the other match because maybe you have put a bet there and you want to see whether you're gonna make money or not. No, so again, you, you increase the the engagement. Um, we've seen also uh, very early attempts to uh, merge crypto and 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 video as well. For example, uh, um, the more you consume content. Uh, and then you get rewarded with with the cryptocurrency minted 
by by the same platform. And and whenever you have this crypto with with this currency, this money, you can use it to, for example, redeem, uh, you know, for some like vouchers, discount. Uh, it, it's a way to force you well, to, to push, to give you an incentive to spend more time and get get something out of it. Look, th these are just like two or three examples, but the reality is that because we are at the very beginning of this, uh, you know, you can be as creative as you want. Uh, but again, the, the trick is you need to make sure that every month uh, is it, it's like you need to make sure that you will be on top of the of mind of your customer. So if they need to start disconnecting some services, won't be you because you say, no, OK, I want this. And then you're going to play with the number two, three and four. But the number one will always stay there because it's always on top of the mind. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll give you a short one, Juan, because I know we're running out of time. But I, I think there's a million things we can do as a service to reduce churn. Um, you know, you can have a, a yearly SKU or a quarterly one. You can play with your CRM and get, keep people engaged. You can have great content for sure, the, the number one ingredient as well, right? Um, but at the same time, I think it all comes down to being a leader as well. If you think about a normal household, if you're relevant to the household, you're going to be there. It's like water. Um, right now, there is in Latin America, 40 million people that can afford the streaming. They all have Netflix, right? Um, and they will keep having Netflix as long as Netflix continues to have good content. So um, I think one of our priorities here was to become quickly a leader in the market, because at that point of time, you are relevant to the household and therefore either relevant to the father or the mother or the grandpa, you're going to stay there for a while. And that's why um, I think Ale was saying before that leaders are going to have a 3% churn. Um, challengers is going to be on the 25% or even 30% because there is rotation in there. Um, and that's one of the reasons why pretty much everyone has now killed the trial because the trial was a great enabler for this rotational effect and you wouldn't pay anything. At least now you want to watch the Emmys yesterday, you have to subscribe to Paramount Plus. And if you want to watch uh, Spanish League tomorrow, you want to you want to have um, uh, Star Plus in Latin America. So you're going to be seeing that rotation in the ones that are on the long tail. But in the meantime, the, the leaders are going to continue to be strong uh, in the household. And, you know, the household has water, it has bread and it has uh, a couple of streaming services. And you want to be in that HBO space Max. because exactly. And you're going to be there because that's a 3% churn as opposed to a 25. So you save a lot of money on acquisition as well. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I mean, thank you guys so much. We only have time for one question more. I think that, I mean, this has been, at least from my side, a uh, super interesting conversation. I could be here at least for a couple of hours more. Um, but so for that, that last question, let me just ask you, um, being, being um, senior executives in the space, what do you think is the key challenge for OTT internationalization uh, players or, or, or players that are either embarking or have embarked in internationalization for the next two to three years? Is it is it a, and let me just give you um, options, right? Is it about content? Is it about Time to market, time to market is key. Is it about um, um, uh, deciding what is the specific area in the world that you want to focus on? Is it just execution? Is it just, I mean, it's clear what needs to be done. Is just building the machinery to do it. What do you think is is the 
the critical factor? If I may give you a very quick answer is, if you're like a, a media company now, and you're thinking about international expansion, probably you're already very late. So time, time to market is, is gone already. Um, I, I think that uh, I think that everybody is already midway into this international expansion. If you haven't started, it's because probably you are not interested into into expansion. So as, as Sony, for example, you want to to be a, a, a content producer. Um, so it, then, then although the, the, a slightly different question is, uh, if you are a media companies and you want to play in the OTT space, uh, um, uh, maybe you are know, you are a free to air or, or a pay TV, and and you feel that your uh, uh, traditional business is not going well, and you, and you want to do it, uh, what what can you do it? There could still be some uh, pocket of opportunities. Uh, I don't think that there are in the large markets, but in some like uh, niche market could be i think mina is could be one of these one of these markets for example uh but timing is running out so maybe an organic strategy might not be the best maybe this is where you can uh, a bit accelerate with some tactical mna uh, we have seen like uh, uh, free to air companies uh, who now realize that they are getting out of business uh, acquiring ott platform and then try to combine the basically using the your content and your captive audience with the technology that the, that, mm -hmm. that an OTT player can can give you. Um, we have seen some pay TV uh, doing it, but I think for pay TV, they are, it, it's even more difficult because of their cost structure. Um, mm -hmm. some, we know some pay TV already moved into OTT, um, and it's a it's a challenge. It will be expensive. Will be very high risk of execution. Only few, only the smartphone will make it. Other will will will, will not do it. So. Um, as I said, I, I think that it, so we, I haven't answered properly your, your question, but what I say is that uh, international probably is, is gone. I mean, the, 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 the world has moved. The, the big players, have, yeah. the, the game has started. You cannot start now. You're already um, running out of time. There might be like some, uh, um, some specific opportunities, but, but more like niche and very localized. But, but what I hear from you is time to market is critical, even when you are internationalizing. So, you know, launching one year ahead of your competition in a specific geography, let's say Southeast Asia, is relevant. Disney it, it Plus, was. HBO Max versus whoever, right? Yeah, probably it, it, it was for some of them that they still have a, a window of opportunity. But look, every single market, now in every single market, you have a Netflix, in every single market, you have a Disney, uh, in every single market, very soon you're going to have HBO Max. <laughs> um, in every single market, you have also one or two uh, uh, local, local player. Yeah. So, you know, if, for example, if I were like in Sony, where I haven't really started anything yet, uh, or maybe very specific, uh, it's very difficult now to put a business plan and say, okay, let's conquer Indonesia, let's conquer Malaysia, or let's let's launch in Mina. It's it's it's, it's very tricky. Um, mm -hmm. I think probably mm -hmm. there might be some pockets, but they're very small. Time is running out, uh, probably it's better to look at something different. I, I see it as two steps. I think, first of all, if you want to be a winner, you have to be in that group that have a chance. Um, and in that context, you have to have content, you have to have money, you have to have uh, at least one or two additional competitive advantages. Like, for example, being a broadcaster, you've got a free-to-air, 
that gives you organic exposure. No? As an example, in the case of NBC in in the Middle East, but so so that basically allows you to qualify as a player that can win. I think what will make the difference um, right after that is it's really having a, a team of experts that work well together, and I will break down that down in three. First, first of all, a team that is local. You need to have local people executing your go to market so that it's locally relevant. Second, uh, experts. This is a very technical job. It's, it's, it's not a place where you hire people to learn. You have to have people that know how to do performance marketing, lifecycle management, content acquisition, originals. So you need to have experts. Um, and third, that works well together in a context like ours, for example, where you've got um, two businesses or three even, right? The studio, the networks and streaming living together you have to have people that get along work well together understand what's the big picture and make the right trade-offs so that the bigger goal of the company is what is, gets put ahead on every single decision that you make no so i think it's really about people that's really the foundation of any business and what's gonna make a difference um, on th that group of five or six that are, are going to be competing for the for the winner i think it's going to be ultimately the quality of their people and how they get organized uh, for excellent execution. Fantastic. Ale, you is, uh, thank you so much for your time. It's been, at least for me, it's been a, you know, a great uh, conversation. I, I have enjoyed our, our time very much. Uh, so thank you so much. Hope uh, all the success and all the best in your endeavors or international, OTD internationalization. And maybe in a couple of years, we can do this same podcast when you are the number one and two uh, in your respective markets. And, and you can tell me uh, what, are, what were the, the keys to your success. All right. Thank okay, you, guys. Nice. It was nice to see you. See you Thank soon. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.